0: Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the shenanigans. It was the early 80s, and sex was still a good way to meet new people. The disappointment. Now that's a real shame when folks be throwing away a perfectly good white boy like that. And the self-confidence.
1: I'm six foot, three inches tall, and maintain a very consistent panda bear shape.
2: Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow
1: will bring.
0: Stuck in the 80s, it's your host, Steve Spears with TampaBay.com, and today, an epic interview with Simple Minds frontman, Jim Kerr. Don't you forget about me.
1: Don't, 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 don't.
0: With me as always, he's not only the co-pilot of Stuck in the 80s, he's also the flight attendant. <laughs> Times pop music critic, Sean Daly.
2: Coffee tea or me, Spearsy? Coffee tea or me. Take the coffee. <laughs>
0: I'll take the coffee.
2: I'm um, very excited about this. You know, um, you've been a very busy man lately with a plethora, I say, a plethora of, of fantastic interviews that we'll get to over the next weeks and months. But first of all, we've been hearing about this one for a while. You came downstairs and said, Daly, this is the one greatest interview in Stuckney's history, <laughs> but then a week later you came down and you said another interview is your greatest, which we'll get to in, in, yeah, in, in a bit. Yeah. But yes, Jim Kerr of Simple Minds, you said is was the pinnacle for a short while and still ranks as number two. You say,
0: yeah, yeah, I love. Uh, I've been a fan of Simple Minds since the beginning, since uh, and I tell Jim Kerr this in the interview since seeing them on uh, on a spring day here in Tampa. They were on the Once Upon a Time tour, and we oh, were that's the a great album. We were the second stop.
2: Sanctify, sanctify (laughs) yourself,
0: Spirit. It's fun. It's a fun, fun album. And you know, at the time, I thought these guys could be as big, if not bigger, than you two. What? But something happened. Podcast over.
2: This is crap.
0: Jim's got the charisma. They've got the talent. I don't know what. It's pronounced charisma. (laughs)
2: Charisma.
0: But uh, anyway, this is a long interview, so we're not going to dilly-dally before we get into it. I d- what? I d- you
2: make this monstrous statement and there's no dallying, no dillying? You want me to dilly some more? Nah. I don't know about that. So you're saying Charlie Burchill, the guitarist, and Jim Kerr are like the same battery as The Edge and Bono? Is that what you're saying?
0: They could have been. It should have been, maybe.
2: But because of Breakfast Club and the novelty...
0: I think that Breakfast Club hurt them. I think that the song Don't You Forget About Me, which they are forever wedded to... And he will talk about it in the interview. Hurt them in a way; it, it sort of marginalized them. You too would never do a song
2: for a John Hughes movie. The problem is that when your very first song is the best song you've ever done. Oh, you think that's the best song they've done? Listen to me. I'm okay. trying to. I'm trying to defend okay, your okay. No, no, argument. No, 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 go ahead. Okay, I'll, Socrates. No, <laughs> <what> that means <laughs> uh, when or the most pop. The first song you do is the most popular song you've done. You have the the. The aura, the whiff, the scent of a one-hit wonder. So maybe that's what you know. Boom! Poof, well, that's all they got for us. And the '80s, at that time, boom, boom, boom. A lot of one-hit wonders. Yeah. It was a very disposable time for music, uh, as well as launching a lot of long-standing acts. But maybe you're right there. But they did follow up with "Alive and Kicking." Alive and kicking. It's music. And then all <laughs> the things she said, I don't know, but uh, it was extremely popular in the Netherlands. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Really? A Netherlands joke?
2: I got lots of them.
0: (laughs) Hey, I got to give a special shout out to Steve McLean. The legend, right? Boo. (laughs)
2: Really? you tainted this entire... No, no. I know what. He's no longer the legend. (laughs) He's McLean.
0: McLean. He helped me out with this. He gave me a a nice inside tip to start the interview with, and that is that Jim Kerr is a huge soccer fan, or football. Imagine that. As they call it everywhere else in the world, but, but here. And... He's a, he's a huge Celtic fan. And the weekend before I talked to him, they had just lost the rival team, the Rangers. So when you hear this interview start, it's, it's all about soccer for a few minutes. So, I
2: refuse to endorse anything that McLean is behind. So he's put, a hindrance.
0: Put up with the soccer talk for 20 seconds and then enjoy the magic that is Jim Kerr. thing I got to say is um, I do a podcast that's heard around the world, and we have a number of fans in Glasgow, and um, one of them specifically wanted me to convey to you his condolences for the Celtic and said that was a bad result against the Huns this weekend.
1: Oh, I was just getting over that, and now you reminded me.
0: (laughs) I'm sorry. They... uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, it 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 runs deep that rivalry, and it takes a few. But listen, you can t- when you've been outplayed and thoroughly beaten, you you can take it. And uh, our team were thoroughly outplayed and thoroughly beaten.
0: <laughs> I didn't mean to. I don't want to uh, stir up old wounds. I'm I'm gonna make <laughs> I'm gonna make you feel a whole lot better now because I'm gonna tell you that. Um, when I heard uh, that your solo album was being released in the United States this summer, I, I emailed your publicist to see if I could get an advance copy, and she said, um, "Even better, I'll, would you like to talk to Jim?" And I said, "No, are you kidding? I'd like to hug Jim."
1: Ah, uh, good man. Thank yeah. you very much.
0: I, I can actually remember the very first time I ever uh, I ever saw you, and the very f- my actually saw my one of my all time favorite uh, concert experiences. It was March twenty uh, sixth, nineteen eighty six, and it was in Tampa, Florida, where we are now at the curse Hall, which is now long gone, and it was, I think, the first or second stop in your U.S. tour that year for the Once Upon a Time tour. Yeah, that's right. And uh, you popped out on stage out of nowhere and had this huge smile on your face, and you just yelled hello at the audience. And then uh, suddenly the waterfront started, and I think every girl within 50 yards of me fell in love with you instantly.
1: <laughs> well... I'd like to say it still works.
0: <laughs> well,
1: here it's finally—it's
0: 25 years later. I finally get a chance to say hello back.
1: You're very kind. Thank you for that, and and thank you for the good memory as well, and um, uh, the sentiment that you convey there. At least what I'm seeing—at least part of it—is true. Is that I still, I was still have a big, big smile, and uh, the sense of joy that I hope you might have perceived that night with us is still intact, and. Uh, we love our band. We love playing. We love the opportunities that have come our way. And, uh, yeah, I left the studio yesterday after cutting uh, two more tracks. I'm on my way up to Glasgow this weekend to demo a few others. We're on our way to Australia to play next month. It, it just goes on.
0: Yeah. There's there's something about seeing you live in concert that is unlike any other act. There's There's this sort of... You seem to feed off the crowd. The crowd seems to feed off you. You come across um, more genuine than than we're used to from musicians, By even then, and and especially today.
1: Thank you very much. I, I um, you know, I can't say whether I'm more genuine than the next person, but I know we're thoroughly genuine in our. Um, uh, as I say, the opportunity to have this life and to have this music and and I think one thing that's, I mean, if you'd said to me 25 years ago, 30 years ago actually, more than that, if you'd said to me what do you want to get out of, out of this? I mean, we, I had no idea about fame or riches or wealth or anything but I knew what a great live band was and I would have said to you that uh, I want to be in a great live band and that's Whenever we go on stage every single night, if we're doing a 40-night tour, there's not one night where we don't hit the stage as though it was the one and only gig on the tour. And I think that comes across because we we know what it means to the audience. We really know, being huge live music fans ourselves in Glasgow where I grew up, really Glasgow is much different now, but... There really wasn't much to do back back then, apart from seeing the odd band that came through live. And and because of that, we saw everyone. And in seeing everyone, we got to see some greats. But we also saw a lot of people let the audience down. Mm. And we wanted to be linked with the former rather than the latter.
2: One, two, one, two, three.
0: What are some of your early uh, concert uh, memories?
1: Well, that's easy. I mean, the first six concerts I went to, I mean, pretty. I really lucked out. Uh, uh, David Bowie was the first one. I saw Peter Gabriel when he was with Genesis about a month later. A month later, again, I saw Lou Reed, Roxy Music, Rolling Stones, The Who, Bob Marley, um, more cult people like Todd Rundgren, it goes on and on, um, but then, of course, um, uh, that w- we cut the tail end of the prog rock thing, and we liked all, all that as well, so Zeppelin, um, but then, of course, w- we got to see that whole new wave of, you know, the Clash and the Jam and the Stranglers, and and again, the l- Past lesser known bands but for me greater bands like magazine and and so on so um we saw everyone who came
0: came to town that's amazing. that's an incredible lineup of bands to see yeah that's insane um i, I yeah. noticed i noticed you mentioned roxy music it, it comes with uh there's no surprise really but ev- almost every band i talk to from overseas mentions them as as a huge influence
1: I'm glad to hear that. Um, uh, Brian, Brian Ferry is a... Is a uh, I know Brian a little bit now, and he's incredibly insecure, which is kind of charming in a way. Um, but I know he loves when he sees Roxy Music getting mentioned, so that's great if bands are, are doing that. But we... I mean, for us to see Roxy Music, you've you got to remember, way back then, you know, it, it, when you see a new band now, inevitably... I don't see it as a criticism, but inevitably you can put your finger on where they came from and who their huge influences were. And you can usually trace the fingerprints. You couldn't with Roxy music. There was nothing like them before. And there's been many like them since. And so, um, you know, they were really pioneers of a sound of a glam rock thing. Sure, David Bowie was doing a glam rock thing too. He preceded them, but he didn't sound like Roxy music. And and of course, any any band that has Brian Eno in it and Brian Brian Ferry, well, uh say no more really. And and the the, the amount of bands that have come out of that access really of Eno Ferry Bowie Lurid um, has been humongous.
2: Couldn't sleep awake last night. Oh, how they say you have a secret life sacrifice your key to paradise. Never take the world by storm, just put the new Take a speaker just like you, could be cool. hey. Um,
0: I want to talk about your new album. It's um. You have a new album out that we we're just now hearing in the states and it 's not a simple minds album and it 's not even really a jim kerr album it's called uh, it's it's an album by lost boy why Why this seemingly anonymous moniker
1: you know i i really um uh, ten years ago there was a bit of a blip where i i didn't it seemed like there was getting blood out of a stone you know it just seemed like there wasn't much music left in me, and I was thinking. Um, you know, maybe this is it. I'm glad to say, for one reason or the other, that passed, and ten years later, I found myself writing more than ever, and I mean, I, I'd never wanted to do something outside of Simple Minds, or I would have did it a long, long time ago, but there's no doubt that, the, I mean, I was writing every day, every minute, it was all this stuff. Uh, Charlie, who is my partner in Simple Minds, I mean, he's, he's as driven as me, but let's just say that is at different stages of his life than me. He's got young kids and all this stuff. So when when there's a break, he really wants to take a break. When there's a break, I want to work. <laughs> and so um, I thought, well, rather than you know sitting around um, having downtime, I'm going to look at these ideas and see what's there. And and me and a couple of people who I worked with, we we were really excited about the ideas that were there. So I thought. I'm going to do something solo, but the idea of just a gym care thing, I don't know. It needed to have a bit more. I wanted to create something that that was a bit more, um, a bit more to it than that. And this Lost Boy thing, uh, I was searching around wondering what I would call it, what it could be. And when I was working on the early stuff, there was something was really evoking uh, my memories, the feelings, emotions of... of I wasn't trying to go back, but it—it there was no doubt that it was taking me back to kind of the kid I was when I was maybe 14, 15, and and, uh, very much, uh, if not lost, certainly searching for who I was and who I could be and all this stuff. And I just thought, I am going to channel into that. I'm going to try and channel into that as a little concept, as a sort of, Also known as, as an AKA, and that led to um, the the album that we're talking about, and and the first salvo of uh, more things to come from that uh, Lost Boy um, persona, or whatever you we want to call it.
0: I love it. I listened to it. Uh, I've been listening to it for a couple of months now, and um, your voice just sounds, uh, you know, like you're a teenager again. It's very clear and very young.
1: Thank you very much. Yeah, um, uh, when I played it to, you know, a couple of people who really know me well, they said, "Wow, it sounds like sounds like you're singing the way you used to sing back then." And um, tracks like, I guess, you know, "Refugee" and stuff with that kind of energy and. Um, Man, it was a ball. It was a real blast to do. And and um, I wouldn't say it was effortless, but, you know, it kind of, it was all just there. And, and there was no downside to it at all. It was done really fast. It was done on a shoestring, um, kind of the way we used to have to do things in the early days. It was done on borrowed studio time and all that stuff, which kind of added to the edge of it. And um, and I'm really glad though the, that you know people are getting the kind of uh, you know feelings from it as as you seem to be. In this town, you need a bulletproof heart. In this town, you need a bulletproof heart.
0: When you when you write a song, um, in your mind, do you separate? writing a song for lost boy versus writing a song for simple minds or do they come from the same source really
1: well initially no initially it was just i mean you know simple Minds,
0: by and large is songs that charlie Burchill and i write it's music
1: that comes from charlie by and large 80 percent of the albums 90 percent of the albums come from charlie so that sort of defines that charlie Burchill was not involved in this project but i mean I mean, I also put my hand up. It's not a million miles away from particularly the early Simple Minds either because, well, it wouldn't be after all. My voice is on it. And, and, uh, I mean, even I was just thinking, even though, you know, when when Morrissey left the Smiths and stuff, although Johnny Marr wasn't there, it didn't sound a million miles away when Lou Reed left the Velvet Underground or did something different from the Velvet Underground didn't send a million miles away. It still has all that over it. So there is still the connection to Simple Minds. But what I do is I write for Lost Boy. I let Charlie hear it all. And if he thinks there is something that he wants to work on with Simple Minds, for instance, we wrote a song last, since the album came out, we wrote a song called Broken Glass Park. And, um, it was too late for the Lost Boy album, but I played it in the Lost Boy shows, and it, people hadn't heard it, and they were flipping out. It was going down a storm. And Charlie rather fortuitously said, we're having that for simple." <laughs> and so there was a bit of horse trading going on.
0: I also understand that you and he uh, were planning to record a new uh, song called Planet Zero. Uh, what's that like, and when will we get a chance to hear it?
1: Well, it's actually done and dusted. We mixed it yesterday and, 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 um, uh, very upbeat, very sort of space rock, really quite, quite cosmic sounding, a lot of synthesizers, a lot, but a real rock riff down the bottom, uh, um, really, um, pulsating piece, very catchy. Uh, I suppose, again, you know, going back, yeah, I, it, it could be something from a, uh, mid-70s boy record uh, um, but with uh, done with a simple kind of heartbeat
0: Will it be on a, a future album that we can see soon? yeah what what we do is what we do now we don't really go in and do an album where we
1: do like you know 12 tracks over 3 months and by the end of it everyone is burnt <laughs> what we kind of do is we do like 3 and 4 songs um, on the run and uh, another 3 and 4 songs and so this is uh, you, we're starting to record that that's the first batch of songs for a new album that I would think would come perhaps this time next year
0: that'd be excellent that'd be excellent I feel like yeah. an old man using, I feel like an old man Using the phrase album I mean it's not really A term that
1: Yeah I know But that's That's the way it is Isn't it And, and uh And I mean I still use it as an old, I still use it Of course I do But uh you know, to me, it's more like a statement. You know, I think it's still important, whether whether you call them albums or whether you call whatever, I think it's still important to make a statement. And certainly, if you do that with um, eight or ten songs, it's you know, that's a body of work. Sure.
0: I I, want to take you back to the past, if I can. Uh, Last year, we celebrated the 25th anniversary of Live Aid, and um, Simple Minds played Philadelphia. I remember seeing you. What do you you remember of that day and the event in general?
1: You know, it it was obviously overwhelming because... The biggest gig we'd ever done biggest gig I think most people had ever done, and you know when you looked at the sort of uh, stellar line up as as well, it really was i 'm not going to say it passed me by, but it almost passed me by i mean of course we're only on stage for whatever it was, fifteen minutes or twenty minutes as well, so um there is that, but um I mean we when you think about it, we were, we were either brave or mad. We went on stage and we started with a brand new song that wasn't even recorded. I mean like you know, here's a whole play it for the first time, no sound
0: check. That was nothing. Uh, yeah, that was ghost dancing, wasn't it? Ghost dancing.
2: She's moving,
1: else I have said like uh, are we sure about this fellas <laughs> you know, you've only got 15 minutes uh, um but i think i'm thinking about it now i think what it was was we were we were a bit um we were a bit neurotic about the success of don't you forget about me and we still are uh, uh um but we thought oh everyone's going to think that we're just a pop mtv band and so let's go on and just you know show that there's something a bit more than that going on and i guess ghost dancing what that's why we thought you know we've got this great life thing here or and so we we did but you know what we came through it and and obviously it kind of held us in good good stead
0: i have a theory about live aid that that was in fact um my generation's woodstock and that it was for a, sure yeah yeah and that it was a it was a musical event that we all experienced in our own way, but it still had political and global themes. Um, yeah. I've also said that – I also believe it can't be duplicated in any meaningful way today. Is it? Is it fair to say that the current generation of music makers don't really have the same um, concern, for lack of a better word, for the global issues that artists did back in the 80s?
1: You know, it's a funny thing. First of all, I agree with you in that first part. It can never be re- be repeated because e- even within its thing, it was the first televised global music event. It had never been been done before, uh, um, and you know, the first is the first, and it seemed like you know the whole planet was tuning into it, and 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 um, so yeah, that was the first. It'll never be repeated with the same effect. Um, I, I'm reluctant to. Well, you weren't castigating them either, but I'm reluctant to seemingly castigate the younger oh, generation. But I, but I think it's true what what you're saying. However, I think the very nature of politics have changed so much since back then. I mean, back then everything seemed black and white. A lot m- yeah, a lot more black and white, a lot more polarized. You know, there was a Cold War. There was left. There was right. There was apartheid. There was anti-apartheid. There was um, Greenpeace. There. You know, it was all, you know, now politics can be, politics can be the coffee you buy in the supermarket. Politics can be uh, if you go to the Gap or you don't go to the Gap or someone uses, some company that uses Sweat, you know, sweatshops and China or whatever. Politics are a lot more, I don't know, nebulous is maybe the word. Uh, um, um, and so there is that as well. But nevertheless, I mean, um, you know, I, I, listen, I saw there was a little bit this week. There was a fellow... I think today, sadly, a fellow in uh, Georgia who's about to be um, put to death in a uh, penitentiary. And uh, Amnesty International and all the young followers were all over Facebook. This right, I, week read ab- do, I read about it. Yeah, doing stuff about that, and so that's their their version. But but yeah, there are there are no. I mean, there certainly there's no. Yeah, there's, 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 you know, you you don't have... Uh, I don't know if it's a reaction to the likes of the Bonos and the Peter Gabriels and, to an extent, the Jim Cares uh, um, and and uh, and others, but, but, you know, you see, we were also one generation. We were just one generation, as you said, from the hippie thing. We still had a bit of that hippie ethic, even though we would it wouldn't have seemed so at the time. You know, we were so brought up to sort of... Fight the man, even though we might have looked ridiculous as we were in the most capitalistic industry out, and we 're all making a fortune <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, um, we were we were brought up with that still the remnants of that you know hippie ethic and you know the Dylan thing and the protest and all that and um, and um, that doesn 't quite seem to have trickled down to the current
0: generation. I agree with that and and maybe you have a point too in the sense that maybe today the 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 method of communicating political discourse is maybe it's not music anymore maybe it's facebook and maybe maybe we we maybe we're not likely to hear another belfast child again anytime soon. Yeah, maybe not, but I mean you look
1: at the kind of movies that the likes of Michael Moore was making and stuff like that and some of the other guys you know that were informing that way. And, um, you know, that was pretty good. Uh, uh, um, but, but, uh, maybe not, but, um, I guess, yeah, I, there were definitely younger people and the, you know, the colleges and the universities, the, the, the campuses, they all, they seemed to be a kind of hotbed. And, and I don't know, I don't know if people can be that. The other point I would add is like, we, you know, I, I don't know what, what age, Justy, but, 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 the decades we grew up, there was, uh, compared to now, there was more wealth, opportunity, um, money around. Uh, you know, people could afford to think about that stuff. You've got kids at university now getting degrees and coming out, and they're still unemployed. Right, right. And, and, and so maybe they don't have the luxury to be thinking about the extra thing, and maybe we did have the luxury.
0: Yeah, I, I'm 44, um, and, and you're right. I mean, um, today the problems seem to be more economical than political, and maybe yeah, singing about yeah. economic problem isn't... I mean, let's face it, we haven't had a recession like this in exactly 80 years. It's kind of hard. Of yeah. I can't go back yeah. to the 1930s and say, well, what was the music like then? Um,
1: yeah, exactly. When my love said to me, Meet me down by the gallow tree For it's sad news I bring About this old town and all that it's suffering. Some say trouble's about Someday soon they're gonna pull One day we'll return here When the Belfast child sings again
0: I want to take you back. You mentioned um, your attitude towards the song um, Don't You Forget About Me and Obviously, over the last 25 years, that's become an anthem of of my particular generation, and I know it led to a great deal of success for Simple Minds in the U.S., but how, how has your attitude towards that song, I mean, how was it in the beginning, and how has it evolved over the years?
1: Well, I tell you what, I mean, I heard it on radio yesterday. I was in a cab yesterday. It just sounds great. <laughs> you know, it sounds great and as much as we always think that yeah but you know it was done for the john hughes movie and it was a big hype and the record company spent a fortune and it's not that great it is that great uh, um um okay the lyric in terms of kind of stuff i write the lyric might be a bit shallow i think or one-dimensional but you know you can't really separate the lyric from that song it's the thing, and and it 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 sounded great, and at the end the DJ said, "Wow, well, I forgot I've got to play that tomorrow," and all this stuff. You know, people love it, and um, or a lot of people love it, and and um, so it would be churlish to deny the effect that it's had, and it opened a lot of doors for us. It just kind of. It just casts a long shadow, you know. It just like it, it like it doesn't go away. Uh, um, and but I guess you know most people have that. You know they've got one or two songs that seem to dominate their whole career. Some people are really lucky; they have three or four, but not not really many more than that. You know if. If McCartney was here just now, he would say, you know, why do they always play yesterday? <laughs> why do they always play Eleanor Rigby? Uh, you know, uh, um, why don't they play Blackbird more? Or, 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 or why don't they play tomorrow? Never knows. Uh, um, most people have that. If it was Sting, it would be um, um, uh, Every Breath and, and so on and so forth. Uh, um, uh, but it's, so we have a... we 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 appreciate all it's done and and, and that but we're kind of we still scratch our heads we still think where did that thing come from and how did it do so well
0: Could you get away with performing a show nowadays and and leave that song off the set?
1: Well, you know, we could, but it would be it it would be weird. It would be you know, it would just be weird. It would be well. What am I trying to say? We we could, but but um, yeah. It just it would be weird. You know, it, it would be like we were disowning it or. Or whatever. We could. And we have a, a couple of teams. But it, it would seem like we were making some exaggerated points.
0: Um, speaking of live, I, I get asked this by, by fans all the time. Um, they always want to know why Simple Minds doesn't tour the U.S. anymore. And I imagine it's a situation of the economics. But if you don't mind, for the record, I'd love to know what your take on it is and, and when, you, when you get the boys back over here to the States.
1: Well, we've been really close twice. I mean, my, my take on, on it is this. We 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 did an ill-advised tour, kind of, Ill, at mid not mid last decade or whatever, and it was ill-advised, and it didn't do well, and a like, few promoters got their fingers burned. And you know that world travels there, you know. So I mean, I would be I'd be lying if I'd said that, you know. sort of fancy, "Why don't you come?" You got to be invited. You know, promoters <laughs> have got to be asking you. And I would be lying to say that they've been queuing up, knocking at our door. They haven't. However, um, there has been opportunities to come. Now we could come and we could do a bunch of casinos and a few real gigs. I don't want to do that. You know, I don't mind doing the odd one or two casinos that help pay for this stuff. But we want to or on a better, an even better idea. We need to be part of a good bill, I think a really good, good bill, and we're hoping, we're hoping that that, the chances yeah. of that happening might occur next, next year. We, we need another really good headliner, at least one or two, right. to make it a great, a great night. We, I, and and you're and, and you're right, you know, the, the finances they do have to because there's no record companies to 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 you know, with a shortfall and all that now. It it does have to add up. We could come and just do a New York and an LA and on our way to Australia or Japan or whatever where we with the band band does well, but we're holding out for something more than that and and I am sorry that it's taken so long. But <laughs> The band has been growing. The band's better now than it ever was, and it'll be worthwhile, the wait.
0: Right. I, last month, I flew out to L.A., which is a five-hour plane flight, to see uh, a great gig. It had the Human League and B-52s and Berlin and the Fix all together on one bill at the great. Hollywood Great. Where, Hollywood where Bowl. did they play? Hollywood Bowl. How many or so? Six, 7,000 people? 20,000. Oh, jeez. Yeah. There, there, there you
1: go. You know. I mean, I tried to get something done with tears for fears, they, and then at the end, they pulled out.
0: No, that's a shame. At,
1: that, that, that would have been a great bill.
0: Worst, worst case scenario, I'm going to buy a plane ticket next year, and I'm flying over to wherever you guys are playing close to your home, and I'm going to see you one way or another.
1: Well, listen... This is my. Are you, I, I give you my my email just just now, and if that happens, you make sure I know, and we get to see. Hello, it's very easy It's At gmail Excellent,
0: excellent. Maybe we'll go catch a Celtic game.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll show you the. Well, yeah, they've found new and improved ways to suck.
0: <laughs> hey Jim, I I really appreciate the time you spent. This has really been an honor talking to you.
1: Steve, lovely Thanks for your enthusiasm You take care
0: You too Best of luck
1: Bye-bye
2: So there you go At the time The greatest stuck in the 80s interview of all time We will let the people decide I really, I still love listening to it Yeah
0: There's very few interviews I like to do I, I can't stand to hear my own voice
2: yeah, for like a week afterwards, like I'd walk by your desk and you'd have the, the giant headphones on. You'd be going. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, Jim Kerr interview? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> really? It was fun. You loved he that. gave me
0: his email address.
2: Uh, it's amazing.
0: I bleeped it out for everybody else. Sorry.
2: Um, I didn't want him getting. it. However, about a week, two weeks, three weeks after the Jim Kerr interview, you interviewed somebody else. Do we want to release that? A lot of people know who you interviewed, right? <laughs> oh,
0: Sherry.
2: I went high for that one. Yes, a couple of weeks later, you interviewed the great Steve Perry, which most of stuck in the '80s uh, nation knows. We don't want to give anything away, but I read. Let me say, I read <laughs> the quotes, and this is what I do for a living. You know, I'm a music critic, but I gotta say, I've rarely have I seen such amazing answers to quotes and so well spoken, and so like imaginative as as your interview with Steve Perry. Truly tremendous. Um And so we'll get that in a few weeks, right? Yeah. we got to digest this first. Yeah. got to digest Steve Perry
0: first. That doesn't sound right.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All very hard to digest. But you know what's easy to digest? The, the Seggies.
0: Steggies. Oh, the mystical friend of Reader Mailbag. And, you know, the mailbox is still kind of light. You know, Still? We want your stories. What
2: happened? You don't think? just
0: tell us we're great. We know that. Tell us a story. Tell us a story of shame, of triumph,
2: shame and triumph, shame at first and then triumph at the end,
0: or triumph followed <laughs> by shame, which I am much more familiar with.
2: I mean, what happened? You think that we've just become too uh, too large, too celebr celebified?
0: No. I just want. I think our readers have run out of stories.
2: Never, they never. Have, they have
0: failed us for the last time.
2: We got a good one here. Go ahead. Real nice one here, Doctor Dim from Dim. You're up, my friend. One of our favorites, Dr. Dim from St. Paul, Minnesota. And on today's Reader Ball Bag, Dr. Dim says, Hey, Steve and Sean, I have a great story about this week's Name That 80s Tune Challenge. It's Centerfold by the Jay Giles Band. Probably one of your selections for 80s rock dinosaurs, am I right? Wrong. That was That is wrong, isn't it? Yeah, it's not one of them. At the time the song was released and making it big on the charts, it was just about my favorite song. Probably an early sign of my great fondness for adult material, if you know what I mean. Oh, God. oh no. Dim, Dr. Dim is no longer one of our favorite <laughs> listeners. Now among the creepiest. Yes. Let me move him over to the creepy bracket. Ooh, number two with a bullet right behind McLean. Anyway, so <laughs> um, I used to get quite freaked out when the song played on the radio, so much so that at least once while working at my first job as a dishwasher, I cranked it up back in the kitchen and started jumping around as though I was Peter Wolf. The waitresses spotted me, and I'm sure they admired my uber geek nerd dance. None of the girl gals there ever showed any interest in me. I wonder why. Peter Wolf has is, is got a dance that only Peter Wolf. Can yeah, do. the Peter Wolf, that weird. It is it's that herky jerky kind of. Yeah, but it, it works. Hunched over a bit, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love that. I love it. Anyway, as if that weren't enough, during my senior year of high school, the song "Centerfold" was the song my psych teacher picked or allowed to be picked for a performance that he arranged for us to put on in a local nursing home. (laughs) Wait a minute. What the? Let me read that whole thing again. I I might have misread that. Anyway, as if that weren't enough, during my senior year of high school, the song Centerfold, okay, so far so good, was the song my psych teacher picked or allowed to be picked for a performance that he arranged for us, the psych teacher, to put on in a local nursing home. Is this some like twisted psych, like psychological experiment? <laughs> like, I mean, really, is this like some twisted game uh, why he was you, playing? How would you do that? that? I mean, why would you want to freak out the old people like that? I'm furious by this letter. He's now, Dim is now number one on the creepy list. Congratulations, we'll send you a gift. So it was that that a herd of 17-year-old adults learned some basic dance steps to Centerfold in order to insult or entertain some old folks nearing the end of the line. (laughs) Good (laughs) lord. (laughs) Centerfold just seems such an odd and inappropriate choice. Although if I think about it, I might enjoy it when I'm in the last stages in some rest home somewhere and a bunch of young, fit, fresh, nubile, dot, dot, dot. I think I'll stop now. (laughs) Oh, yours stuck in the '80s, Doctor Dim, Saint Paul, Minnesota. <laughs> Gosh, that is just shocking in so many ways. I'm just shocked that McLean was dethroned. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to see uh, like McLean try to get the the, the crown. Yeah, this back. is not
0: a competition. Yeah, folks. we don't
2: want to know about your your predilections and your peccadillos. <laughs>
0: As always, send your emails to StuckInThe80s at TampaBay.com
2: What's happening, hot stuff?
0: Ah, by the sound of the gong, it must be time for Mystery Movie Moments Thank
2: God, that was so awkward with Dr. Dim (laughs) This won't be creepy at all (laughs) Nope (laughs) Pay
0: attention, here was last week's mystery clip I didn't know you I didn't know your relationship with Mac I only knew he was hiding something Turned out to be his feelings that's Tequila Sunrise with the great Kurt Russell.
2: Yeah, Mel Gibson. Nothing creepy Michelle about Pfeiffer. that movie. You love that movie. That's you, a great movie. You and I have had epic three-hour debates about I think it sucks, and you love it.
0: Well, I, we always debate who's who. Like I'm obviously Kurt Russell, and you're obviously...
2: Uh... <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer. No,
0: <laughs> no, you're uh, Raul Julia.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you're, the,
0: you're the Mexican uh, drug you what? Know well, I'll take
2: that. I'll take that. I'm always dying young in the people. I was Corey Haim last week. Now I'm yeah. Raul Julia. I think I shoot you. What are you trying shoot? to say? I I'm think sure I... you do. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you do shoot me at some point in the year 2014. Um, yes, we had a lot of winners this week. Actually, not a lot. Actually, not many at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Howard in Fremont. Crockett from Rubik's Cube. Spit Valve McGee in Wisconsin. Jukebox Johnny in Colorado. Kensky from Cali. Captain Wench and (laughs) the the bubbly, the vaguely sweaty, Ela Avar. (laughs) (laughs) Ella Avar? Ella Avar?
0: (laughs) Is that a Star Trek name? (laughs) It is.
2: Go ahead. Mega Star. Kobayashi Maru. Yeah, there you go.
0: Pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip. You
2: are a dead man. Do you
0: know that? If you know it, email us at stuckinthe at tempeh.com and tune in next week to find out if you're a wiener. And now, our newest segment, What Makes Spearsy Cry.
1: I did my best, but I
0: guess my best wasn't good enough. We are back where we were before it seems nothing ever again.
2: Yes, it's our newest segment, very somber, very emotional. What makes Spearsy cry over the years and the two hundred fifty shows we've done? There have been a lot of moments when Spearsy has kind of lost it, tearing up, sometimes tears of happiness, sometimes tears of sadness. Ah, uh, this week. Dan Vay is our first contributor to What Makes Spearsy Cry. And Dan Vay in Portland writes, If What Makes Spearsy Cry becomes a regular seggy, I think you guys should tap James Ingram to sing the theme song. That'll get the ducks flowing. Ooh, we have a lot of people. Howard in Fremont, California says, The Living Years, Mike and the Mechanics. If not this, then probably Rock and Roll on Night by Kiss. being funny? Have you ever cried at The, livi- at the Living Years by Mike and oh, the Mechanics? Oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? Uh, Every she,
0: generation. Yeah, oh, my the God. Dad, the dad. Oh, the dad thing. I mean, I, it probably makes you cry, doesn't it?
2: No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what makes Daily cry? It's like a broken like porn tape or something. <laughs> no. <like> that. <laughs> That's not true. That's not true. That's why you buy DVDs now. Shut up. I do not. Gosh, don't even get my girlfriend started on that. She thinks I'm some sort of weirdo. I'm clean. I'm clean. Uh, also, Shazam in St. Louis wants to play What Makes Spearsy Cry, and Shazam says... The best song that would make Spearsy cry is I Don't Wanna Live Without Your Love by Foreigner. Heck, that might even make Daly cry. No. No. But Spearsy? No. No? Thumbs down. Spearzy, okay. So we have, um, James Ingram makes you cry, right? So we, uh, yeah, Dan Vay is a winner. So we have one winner. Howard in Fremont says, Living years, we have another winner. What makes Spearsy cry? I don't want to live without your love. No! Shazam loses, right?
0: Shazam loses.
2: And the final one says, um, and this is uh, JC says, The song that will make blubber is easy, Don't Give Up, by Peter Gabriel. No fight left, or so it seems. I am a man whose dreams have all deserted. I've changed my face. I've changed my name Yes, so we have That's a winner. Yeah, JC is a winner. JC, JC has made Spearsy cry. <laughs> that is, of course, Pierre Gabriel and Kate Bush. I should add. It's a beautiful song. Ah, have I ever cried at that? No.
0: <laughs> is there not a song that makes you cry?
2: Oh yeah, man. I can't even say it now. I, I'm thinking about. It. I was about to say Come it. On. I can't. No, I'm sure. looking at me. Look, look, see him. <laughs> They're seriously, what? There's the, time, the blood of, shot. time in a Bottle, Jim Croce. Really? Oh, my God. L- floors me. Have you ever seen the video of him and his kid playing? <laughs> Are you kidding me? And they're, they're like, the kid was blind and Croce's about to die? No. Man, there's a lot of people and stuck in the 80s. Land. I don't care if it's not from the 80s. Time in a Bottle, Jim Croce. Devastating. If you think, you know.
0: What makes Spearsy cry? Email us at stuckinneesatimpy.com. Tissues are optional. <laughs> ah, the mystical refrain of Name That 80s Tune. Hey, we already know the answer to this week's one. We, uh, Dr. Dim, or as we call him now, Dr. Creep. Uh,
2: <laughs> Dr. Creep.
0: Uh, gave it away, but let's play it again anyway. Yep, centerfold by Jay Giles. He's right. Not-
2: And Tim says young, fit, fresh, nubile, but he was inherently talk- talking about himself, right? No, I think he's talking about he
0: wants to be an old man looking at 17-year-old girls.
2: Oh. Well, no? <laughs> yeah, I was going to
0: say, <laughs> you're going to object to this?
2: Uh, 17 is a bit young, Steve. <laughs> it is a bit young. I love it. Just a smidgen. <laughs> um, here we go. Yes, we had a lot of winners this week. Right, well, at least more winners than Mystery Movie Moment. And they are... Christine in Philly, Lance from Big Trouble and Little Fredonia, Joe from Athens, Dr. Jean-Marc Beauvais of Fort Myers, Florida, Alexander Peter, Phil from Adelaide, Mark Pulaski, Podolsky, (laughs) Mark Mark Podolsky, Vicky in Muckwenago, Wisconsin, Philadelphia Eagles place kicker David Akers, (laughs) and my sister from another mother. Or my brother from another mother, Aussie Cat Daily. Honestly, what's the story on Aussie Cat Daily? I don't know. Oh, crap. We all- <laughs> I didn't see the rest of the notes. And we have one more winner. It's Dave Featherston in Australia who writes, First up, name that tune, Jay Giles, Centerfold. Oh, look, and he spelt it like the weird Australian way, like Centrafold. The video used to make me feel funny inside, too, Sean. Coincidentally, my mother was also shocked when I played Piss on the Wall really loud. Jeez, these are people who know they're stuck in the 80s, aren't yeah, they? They know a yeah. little plot lines. That's right. Mary Daly was like, Sean, do you really want that album in this house? Uh, no. God. You gave worst. it up, though. You gave I it up. Yeah, I gave it up. I got, like, Barry Manilow's Bermuda Triangle album instead. <laughs> Secondly, Jimmy Barnes is still alive and well. What? Book my flight. Can't we please do a... Australia in the '80s show, please. Soon, I swear that thing better be a half hour on Jim, Jimmy F. and Barnes. <laughs> I will walk out of here and throw water in your face. Anyway, Jimmy Barnes is still alive and well and busy. Ooh, Cold Chisel have reformed despite the sad passing earlier this year of their drummer Steve Presswich of a brain tumor. The Chisels are on an Australian tour at the moment, playing all over the country. And boys, the invitation is still open for you to come down under. Uh, There is one cold chisel song included in the forthcoming Australia in the 80s podcast song list, but you guys could make part two, two solely Jimmy Barnes. No. One, 45 minutes, Jimmy Barnes. Cheers, guys. Dave. Commercial. Oh, wait. That's the, of, that's the rest of your notes. Why do you do that? You know I'm like a monkey. I just read what's in front of me. <laughs> There's no nuance or brains to this. Let me ask you something. Yeah. He
0: says we're invited to come down under. Do you, don't you think that, that by now they get tired of that? Phrase down under.
2: Down under. I mean, we don't say come over here to the States and be a Yankee Doodle dandy. Or <laughs> well, down under, are you saying because it's down under like your undercarriage, like your scrotal no, no, region? No, no,
0: no. I just think, you know. Are you could... talking about your scrotum? No, Steve? not this time. But <gasps> I'm just saying, do you think that's. Yeah, I would have thought that'd be a cliche by now. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like a banana. It <laughs> <laughs> doesn't look anything like what I'm it's supposed a. It's like.
2: a banana wearing Gruncho Marx glasses. <laughs> yeah. That explains um... the
0: mustache. <laughs>
2: That's the sequel to Eye of the Mustache in College. That explains the mustache. <laughs> uh, what are we even talking about? <laughs> uh, oh that God! That explains the mustache. Pay attention.
0: Here's this week's <laughs> mystery clip. If you know it, email us at stuckiniesattempe.com, and you too can wear a mustache. <laughs>
2: Zip it back up again. Anyway, I'm not one to deal in hyperbole um, uh, and and a hype job and to promise you things I can't deliver. And yet, we have a lineup of interviews coming up that will blow your minds. (laughs) Literally, we
0: could do interview shows that have already been recorded probably now to the end of the year.
2: It's tremendous. We have we – can we tease a few? We have tease Steve Perry. And then let's Steve- just say Steve Perry, of course, is – could – I think people will probably say – now, I, I've heard bits and pieces of the actual recording, but it could be the Here, one that people yeah. talk about. Here's the
0: thing. It's 45 minutes long, unedited, and I promised them I wouldn't use the whole thing. So and 45 minutes is a long time to listen to anybody. So I'm going to chop that sucker down. But
2: Really? Yeah, will you offer people like the unadulterated, <laughs> the unabridged? Steve yeah, Herring? maybe. And, and an Easter egg? Yeah, maybe uh,
0: I'll do like a full transcript online or something.
2: But would um, cool. You have it all tra- transcribed, right? No, somewhere maybe. The story's great too. Steve also did a story that will appear on TampaBay.com and it's fantastic. And we'll, we'll alert you about that too because there's some great writing in there. Um, but also we have we'll t- And we're not going to promise you all these But these are people that we've, we've ta- talked to Or we're planning on talking to um, Fred Schneider of the b Fifty Two. Fred Schneider is in the can Yeah right. <laughs> <In the can. laughs> oh, here he is now Fred, you were there a long time Turn I'll- this mess around <laughs> um, In a little while I have a scheduled interview with Rob Halford Lead singer of Judas Priest yep. uh, The Metal God Remember Judas Priest was my first concert of all time I've told that story uh, with the Was me- that the
0: Whip It Out Tour?
2: Uh, ram It Down, Shove It Up. Oh, okay. <laughs> not the to Whip the, It Out the mesh, Tour. Uh, the mesh shirt with my friend's nipples. Um, and uh, a lot of other things. We wish we could give you Don Henley... But Mr. Henley only wanted to. We can only reach so high. <laughs> yeah, Don Henley would only talk to us via email, so we'll we'll maybe we'll tell you some of that too. But anyway, Stuck in the 80s is about to kick it into overdrive. Um, if you haven't been following us as uh, much as you used to, part that's part of that's our problem because we haven't been recording as much. But we're about to unload. I say the golden age of Stuck in the 80s. That's nice.
0: That's nice to think that way. The Golden Age, as far as interviews, anyway.
2: Yeah. Fred Shutter, what do you think? I got me a car. It's as big as a whale. Yeah, see? All that and more. Steve, wrap it up for us, would you?
0: Hey, you know, thanks for sticking around. We, uh, Undying gratitude to, to Jim Kerr, my new best friend, for, for our long chat together. I hope you enjoyed that interview. Uh, stay tuned for more great interviews. In the meantime, along with Sean Daly and myself, we remain here, hopelessly stuck in the 80s.
2: stuck in the 80s is produced by the St. Petersburg Times and tampabay.com special thanks to check battery
0: daily for the music for the opening credits read our blog at tampabay.com/blogs/80s and don't forget to subscribe to the show at iTunes